Hi there, uh, welcome to the second episode of the I'm Listening Brother podcast. Uh, once again, I'm James. And I'm your second host, Martin. And uh, Matt, I personally want to uh, start off with giving thanks this episode um, because the feedback from episode one has been so overwhelming. Uh, I just want to thank everyone for the well wishes, the love that they've given us for it, and also some of the more constructive bits of feedback. Um, it's been quite overwhelming. Yeah, I, I agree, mate. It's been um, it's been really mad. I think, <clears throat> you know, I've had conversations with people as a result of the last podcast and last episode. Um, some people I know, some people I don't. Some some personal conversations and emotional conversations as well. You know, I've, I've we've had a great response and. You know, we said before we started the podcast when we were just brainstorming that if we were able to help one person, that we'd both be content with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we didn't help anybody, we'd be helping ourselves and we'd be helping each other and we'd also be happy with that. Um, it, it, it turns out that we're doing a lot more than I could have imagined oh, al- yeah. already. And it's a testament to us um, you know, because, but more so, I I I give a credit to the people who have been able to come to us as individuals and be like, oh look, mate, I really appreciate the conversation you and James have had. Um, you know, this is this is what I'm struggling with, or this is what I had to go through before, or this is, and then these conversations then are taking place. Yeah. Like I mean, in work settings, um, I've had conversations with people over social media through text message. Oh, the amount of uh, you know WhatsApps. Instagram messages, texts, you know, actual sort of face-to-face conversations that yeah. you know that have been, you know, spawned from the uh, the first episode has been massive. You know, the, sometimes it's a bit of a thing where people are like, "Oh wow, I didn't realize that you would be doing this sort of uh, this sort of thing." Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's the surprise for people um, that all of a sudden we're willing to talk about this sort of thing and. Um, you know, I, th- I think one of the main bits of feedback that I've I've received is that, you know, it's becoming more and more of a of a hot topic to talk about this sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, about you know mental health, men's mental health, but you know the a lot of people still have the view that it's not talked about enough and it's not given the space to be talked about. Definitely um, not talked about enough. One hundred percent. I I fully agree with that. I was chatting to um, an old friend of mine and his biggest struggle was that, not that he, he hadn't tried to speak to people because he had, um, it was that, like you said, the space wasn't available. You know, the people that maybe he was speaking to didn't see what he was saying was a, like a problem or an issue or something that he could have addressed as a friendship group or as individuals. Um, he felt hard done by that he was unable to like let himself and then you know as you know yourself it's very difficult to go to someone mm. and just open yourself up to them and give off like how you feel like this is this is what i'm struggling with this is how my life is going this is where i need some help and then that initial thing is very difficult that first step i thought for me personally is the hardest the first oh, yeah. hardest step is making that initial contact with people yeah you know but then if that if that's not being received how you need it to be received, and then it's not given back to you. Yeah, it 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 takes you back ten steps. Yeah, you know it's very difficult to come back into that. And I felt for him, and 
the sort of idea that, you know, men shouldn't speak about this type of topic, it's toxic and it's there. Mm. It's there to see. And that's why men recoil and sort of go back into themselves. Yeah, you kind of have that um, that reaction of, you know, someone is not receptive to that conversation. It can make the person who's initiated it make them more insular. Um, mm. And I think for people who want to have these conversations, having something like this to be uh, as the starting point, rather than just rather than them feeling that they've got to express everything that they've got on their mind if it can be their if this can be their talking point that allows them to open up the wider topic then you know i think that's going to be massive yeah huge and i feel like we are creating uh, a little community where people do want to hear this type of thing being said mm-hmm. um where this personal to the individuals listening or not is kind of not the point the point is that People are talking about it, and people are being uh, people are being being able to listen to it. I said it's something. I was speaking to um, a friend of mine the other day, and I said, um, you know, there's something absolutely terrifying about a conversation I would normally have in private, being open to the world or to everybody to listen to, but in the same breath, extremely liberating. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's, it's a really a, odd. It's a really odd feeling, like for me, anyway. I, I agree. I think the actual act of opening up and being willing to talk about how things have affected you, um, it's one thing to have maybe had those conversations in private with one person or your partner or something, but to then be willing to actually you know, go on something like this and talk about it, I think, the, uh, I think you're right. It's that combination of real sort of like fear combined with that liberating I think you're right this that yeah. liberating feeling it's very odd I mean I mean because we want to go a little bit personal in today's episode you want to mm. go a little bit deeper into ourselves into our own personal psyches and and what have you and for me uh, again going back to the personal thing I've actually gone from more mostly one extreme to the complete other like I've gone from one end of the scale to the very end of the other scale trust me because you know, originally, if you had spoken to me, I would I'd say you would go back a year and you'd, you'd spoken to me at any point in my life before that. I was quite, I'm, I'm very private. Mm. I I don't express myself externally as much as um, I should or in a healthy way, I should say. And I shouldn't, you didn't used to express myself in a healthy manner um, enough. And I've gone from that to express myself for anyone to listen to yeah it's it's crazy mate it is absolute bananas but i mean i felt that i was in a position where i i was not i was not protecting myself not not protecting myself emotionally not protecting myself mentally and it put me in a not a great position so i almost want to put myself out there to be like look i'm one of the most private people you ever come across like nothing personal come like I don't really go online and do personal things and push show personal things online. I might show stuff I enjoy doing, but nothing really personal to me. Um you won't ever see me in a group setting having personal conversations with myself. You wouldn't have me telling people personal information about myself. 
mm. tends to be kept in a very, very small, close circle. Um, and now what you see is um, someone willing to be vulnerable in, in, in an environment that allows anyone at any point to listen to that vulnerability. Um, it's a door that's been opened that's always been not locked, but kind of just on the cusp of being ajar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's, you know, yeah, it's just been uh, it's just been closed too. It's yeah. not, not not been shut fully. It's just been closed too. Maybe so. a little stop on the back to stop yeah. it opening too much. But I mean, yeah, it's for me. It's gone from one extreme to the other. And I mean, there's there's going to be more than more than a handful of people out there who are listening, going to listen to today's episode and. I'm gonna be right. Yeah, I'm kind. Of, I kind of feel maybe I'm similar to Matt, where, um, you know, I'm quite private. It's very difficult for for them to express themselves, but it doesn't mean it'll always be difficult, or it doesn't mean that you'll never be able to. Mm. I think that's. I'll be honest. I think that's quite a common thing amongst a lot of blokes. You think so? The because it everything you're saying sort of uh, resonated with me. Mm. Um, the idea of being quite private with a number of very personal things, um, outwardly presenting, you know, these are the things that I like, these are the things that I want to do, um, you know, especially through social media, you know, showing off, you know, if you've been somewhere you enjoy, you've gone and eaten something you've, you've enjoyed, that's one thing, but being very personal and private with how you really feel. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a common thing for a lot of uh, a lot of blokes because there's that idea of oh I can present certain things but then how I really feel oh, pe- people don't need to be bothered by that people don't need to to feel that thing and that thought process is a it it's a it's a tricky thing to kind of break yeah. because once you once you get into that mindset of oh people don't need to worry about my my thing then all of a sudden it's they don't need to worry about this other thing, and then it can start to compound and spiral out of uh, out of control. Yeah, the sort of concept I have on is that I personally don't believe that everyone deserves to have that access to you, as well, because you talk you talking about like you know your deepest inner innermost fears when you're talking about vulnerability and when you're talking about your emotional emotional health, emotional mm-hmm. sort of maturity and everything else. You know, not everyone deserves that access to you. That's sort of that's the only sort of access you give to someone who, who you know is going to who's supposed to be there for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I always say like the the hardest part is for me was being able to find someone where I could feel open enough and comfortable enough to speak as honestly as I could. Yeah. And I always felt like whether that was just the way my mind was when I was sort of growing up or as a young teenager you know young adult um i always felt like there was always this element where my information was going to be used against me okay so it prevented me from allowing myself to fully express and open up so almost as a as a slight defense mechanism 100 percent, absolutely and that's what it was for me you know and that, that fear prevented me from really sort of allowing myself to like put myself out there fully. Um, and the sad thing is the the fear of that is what drives you away from people. I get you. Do you know what I mean? It's the fear that drives you away. It's not the actual 
information you give to people. Yeah, it's the it's, it's the worry of if I tell them this deep truth of mine or a secret that I have that I don't want to tell anyone else, will they weaponize it against me? Exactly, and putting your emotions out on the table for people, for not people but individuals to to take on. Like not everyone's capable of picking that up. <clears throat> Do you know what I mean? It's like Thor's hammer. I mean, not everyone's worthy of picking that up anyway. They're not. And, like, you know, you're married. Um, and I would I would hope that between, between within your relationship that you you have that. But I think it's important. Um, you know, <clears throat> it, I, I mean, there's plenty of single guys out there and single women who feel like they don't have anybody to speak to about this sort of stuff. Maybe a friend, but does your friend really pick up the weight of that, like like a partner would. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, do 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 you create a space for yourself where you know there's somebody you can speak to? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. I mean I'm I'm lucky in my sense that you know, my wife is the person that I can confide in with uh, I can confide anything to her. You know, she's the perfect sort of person who'll give me the space to open up and then also give like feedback and you know maybe like a coping mechanism or you know a, a different viewpoint to maybe sort of make sense of different things. Yeah, and that could be on something really small or something really massive. But for you, then does she take away the fear of opening up? To a degree, I think. There's got to be an element of it, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's. I'm, I have no worries about opening up to her. Hmm. Um, I think there's still that thing for a lot of other people well for myself opening up to other people is that there's that nervousness to be exactly what you want to say to them because you have that thing of well how is it going to be received what are people going to say Hmm. how are they going to think about me and you don't you always send you you tend to think the the more negative idea of you do if i say this will they think less of me will they think that this is you know absolutely stupid and how many of those thought processes are actually relevant exactly and i mean what if you flipped on your head and gone what if they receive it well what if they have great advice for me Mm. like they could be it it goes both ways but for some reason as humans we we fixate on like the negative outcome yeah i don't know whether that's because it creates more excitement because it does yeah i mean if someone goes if you give someone information about your emotional health or anything mental health and they take it on board and they pick it up, no problems, give you back all the information you need, give you back all the feedback you need, great advice, and then it ends, you're kind of sort of like, oh, there's no drama in that, it's a little bit underwhelming, I feel, I, I feel like that and it's, I've, you mm. know, there's a world and weight lifter off my shoulders, but there's, there's, there was no excitement in that. I don't know. I just feel like we we sort of like as I feel like humans. We're quite. We're, we're quite. We like that disaster, you know. <laughs> I think there's the um, a little bit of chaos. I do think there's that. That idea of, you always. Prepare for the worst, in the situation. And hope yeah. for the best. Yeah, um, the idea that. And I don't think that's a bad mechanism to have either. It's not. I just think that sometimes it can, it can go, too much to the extreme. You can sometimes always think that the you know, there's going to be a negative connotation to be yeah. uh, to be found. And too it, much, it, too much preparing for the worst and not enough hoping. Yeah, 
Exactly. I think if you if there's if there's more of a balance between that, I think people would maybe be a, more willing to open up at times. I guess. Yeah, I think um, finding finding a balance in that is going to be critical for a lot of people. Um, I think people who are able to open up <clears throat> naturally um, already have that balance of really working on it. Mm. But I think if it's not your natural instinct to be able to do that, then you have, it's something that as an individual you have to work on. Something I 100% need to work on. Um, I am working on and will continue to work on. I don't think it's something I'll I'll ever be able to not work on. You know, because I don't think it's going to put me in a position where I'll, if I stop working on it, maybe I'll regress, and that's not what I want to do. So I think with with the work I'm putting in on myself personally, when it comes to how like you know I'm I speak about what goes on in my life now, I think it's vitally important for me to maintain the momentum that I started building, um, because I'm very very different right now in this exact moment to what I was. Um, you know, six months ago, very yeah. different. I mean, I look at myself when I was going through my turmoil um, recently. Um, when I say recently, this is this is recent as like you know, currently going through it still yeah. at the tail end maybe. Um, so I'm still coming out of that. I mean, when I look back at like me at my lowest, a matter of months ago, I really don't see me. I see. I don't see myself. I see. I see a younger me, but almost like in my mind, it's almost like a childlike image of myself. It's like, you know, kind of no personality. You know, you can have a baby. A baby's just like, well, like a, a, a ball of atoms. You know, there's no, there's there's no real like um, personality or emotion or it's just, you know, you just got to care for that thing. Basically, when I look at myself, that's what I see. I see myself as that. Like I, I don't know. It's really odd. It's like a really odd concept in my mind, for me to figure out. But I don't see myself like when you look at when you think of yourself in a memory. Mm. You know, you can pick any memory in your mind that you want. Look back at it, and you just see yourself. It's a normal memory. I don't see it as that. It's almost like a dream. It's almost like it didn't exist, but it's very real. I see. I it's, think with the with that that baby concept, I think the amount of growth that you've gone through over the last you know, six, nine, twelve months, however however long you you've been on this journey. Um, I think that is a good analogy for you where you you look back and it's almost like, even though it's less than a year ago, the amount of growth that you've gone through makes the person then seem far more childlike to you now. Yeah, that, that person is so far out from from where I am right now. Um, it's, 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 it's really weird because... I, I, I've spoken to a few people and when I try to explain to them, like, you know, what what ignited it for me um, was the initial, like, first uh, therapy session I went to involved me being reactive. You know, a lot of stuff was going on externally in my life and I was almost at the point where, like, I was going through, like, like as I mentioned previously, I was going through a bit of a spiral. Didn't really know how to to stop it um you know just just not in control of my thoughts and what actions i was taking and then looking back like i said you're looking back that it was it wasn't me that's mm. not me at all like i'm usually very composed and in control i'm not i was not i was anything but that and the thir- first therapy session for me involved 
<laughs> my therapist sat, sat, we sat down and she looked at me square in the eyes and goes, why are you here? Run off a bat. So I reeled off a list of things that were happening. Very reactive. Um, wish I was more proactive. I wish I was proactive in the sense that I was preparing myself for disaster years and years ago so that when it came to potential downfalls, I was in a really strong position to be able to cope in that position, but I weren't. Um, anyway, I reeled off a load of things, pretty much took up the whole session just talking about the shit that was happening in my life at that point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what I found was the therapy, the therapy sessions after that were based around stripping me back as an individual and really getting to the core. I think that's the essence of my and my thought process when I metaphorically looking back at myself and being like, oh, when I was going through a lot of crap, I was, I would see myself as a child because therapy really for me stripped everything away. Like I had ego death, like crazy ego death. Like my ego is nothing like it used to be. It exists in the sense that it's essential for you as an individual to grow because without ego, you don't want to improve yourself. Yeah. But the ego that I had is very different to the ego that I have now. They're the polar opposites, the conflicting egos. Okay. And <clears throat> yeah, the death I experienced, the ego death I experienced through like just therapy is the maddest thing because it's put me in a position now where, you know, my my focus is on me being more capable mentally and emotionally before being physically capable because physically capable is something i've always done I've always been physically physically capable i don't yeah. need to train that anymore like my body knows how to handle stuff my mind doesn't so yeah i think that's where that that, that metaphor comes from for the baby and you know when i look back at myself and I think it comes back to being stripped all the way down in therapy. Yeah. Um, it was traumatic to go through that type of stuff and then to find that you have to open up to essentially a stranger. They don't become a stranger for long because you feel like you can be honest and completely honest as well. It's like in a really strange environment, you know, almost like podcasting where, you know, you're in a conversation with somebody and within that conversation, no other distractions are available. Yeah. You are literally in this conversation and one hundred percent in it. Yeah. Um, very similar to therapy. You're sitting in that conversation with no other distractions. You gain I mean two different environments, but essentially having the same same sort of energy. Yeah. That's you see what I'm saying? That thing of having never been to therapy, I'm kind of reacting to what you're saying, where's that idea of it's the environment where you can open up and go back and forth, but there's no external influences on it. It is purely in the moment, in the room, two people back and yeah. forth. And yeah, exactly. And how I, I was describing it to you right now. It's like you've experienced this with me now on well, this has obviously been the second occasion. Very similar to this. You know, you literally are two people engrossed in you. Yeah. It's really weird because I'm I I typically am not someone where I'll I'll sit there for an hour and just talk about myself. Yeah. I've never done that. I've never been able to do that. You know, I'm 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 very much like, what are you up to? What are you doing? How is how is your life? And more them than me. I've always been that way. Um, you know, if there's a group of people and each one of them are talking about themselves, likely like I'm very likely to be very quiet in that situation. I yeah. don't just listen. 
I'll, I'll, I'll rarely speak. So it's, it's really hard for me to put myself in a position where for that whole hour, I'm literally just talking about myself. But getting constructive information back as well, mm. which has never happened for me before. Yeah, to have that constructive feedback, I think is a massive thing. Because um, it, it, otherwise it can kind of just feel like you're shouting into the void. And if, if you don't, if you, if nothing comes back, well, you, might, you might as well be on, you know, on top of a mountain screaming that stuff, and no one's going to hear. It. And that's a perfect way to put it because I mean, how many how many people do do we know, and how many listeners are there that you know feel like they are shouting into the void, mm. crying out for some help or crying out for a conversation, but not getting anything in return? Like as I mentioned, like a friend of mine at the start of the podcast who, you know, who has already tried to open up. To people he knows, but has got nothing in return. You yeah. know, and do you know what I mean. So, I mean, this is this is the this is the root of the problem here. Yeah, I think you know, there's so many countless things that people have gone through and are going through, and some people have that support network. Some people just feel like they don't have that environment that they can truly open up and express how they feel and what they their thoughts are um you know and even if you even if you do have that support network sometimes you can feel like oh i don't want to i don't want to burden them with another thing i don't want to feel like i'm giving them another thing to think about and have to deal with my problems and stuff like that you know i know that it's a terrible way to think though isn't it because you feel like as a support network if someone's your support network the likelihood there in that situation is that you're going to be theirs as well mm. you know so when you're giving this over to somebody, at some point you're expecting something from them. They, you're going to have to take some of their burden anyway. I mean, isn't that what a support network's about? Yeah, I think it's the, there's always a, a give and take as well. And the funny thing is, is that when you're the when you're the support network for someone, you or at least myself, you never feel like oh, another thing. You you just go. Great, I'm there for you. How can we help? Let's work through this together. Yeah. But then, when it's the flip side, it goes back to that negative. You know, that that always thinking the worst that you think that oh, if I if I say this to them now, is that going to be another? They're going to go, oh, not another thing that he's talking about. And and the, almost every single time, that wouldn't be the 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 response. The, their response would be the same as your response. Mm. You know, of course, let's work through this together. Let's try and get to the root of this problem and that's why they're your support network mm. you know that's that's literally why you guys have decided then to, to help each other not verbally haven't decided it but you kind of know that that's who your support network is you know yes yeah, so it, it, as soon as you start to really create that bond between two people or however many is in the network um it doesn't have to be a thing of like right let's let's write this contract out and exactly we're gonna get everyone to sign it and you know I will speak to you on a Monday and you'll speak to him <laughs> on a Tuesday it, it's an unspoken thing because you just know yeah you just connect and yeah. you know that I know I can phone up a number of different people um, and they're going to be able to help me there's that thing of you don't have to have a set way of doing things no and in my mind I'm thinking if someone's listening now to this conversation about support networks and doesn't have a support network, how would they go about generating one? How would they find 
that support network, how they create an environment? What's the single most important thing that you think someone would need from somebody else to be able to create a support network? Personally, I think it's feeling safe. Yeah, I think the the one of the main things for having a, a good support network is the idea of trust. You know, it's why a lot of support networks are usually like a, a family member or a partner or a close friend because they or you already have their trust. They already have your trust. Yeah. So there's already that groundwork that maybe I can say things to you. And yeah. I, I can get your help, and you know that I'm that person. I can be that person for you. Yeah. Um, but it does always take that one big step of actually, requ- you know, getting to that point of requiring their help. Hmm. Because up until that point, they could be your best friend, they could be your partner, but until one person in that, you know, in 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 that uh, in that network requires the actual help then you don't know that you're a support network. You kind of, you always feel like you could be that person for someone, but until they require your, you know, your assistance, that's when you do truly become a support network. Yeah. I think it's important um, for everybody to have some kind of support network. Mm. You know, we say network as if there has to be hundreds of people, it could just be one person. But oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, my my personal support network is very small. Same. It's very limited. Um, and I would say outside of therapy is probably, honestly, two or three people deep. Yeah. I mean, I mean, where I would be able to... See, even, even then, like, I mean, there's occasions where, like, I want to say something, but I don't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I hold myself back. Do you know? Yeah. So I I'd say two or three people deep. I mean, with as much information as I I probably be willing to give out. Um, yeah, yeah, we don't need to uh, don't need to go through a, a full list of names. And yeah, stuff, but. I mean, it's just that's that's what I that's what I get with it. And you know, it doesn't have to be a lot of people. But I think initially, if you don't have a support network, it's like how how do I find one or how do I create one? Like, what friend can I trust or what family member is really good with information? You know. I, I actually know now, as a result of opening up, that I could speak to any of my family members. Mm. Didn't know that till recently. Yeah, I think the first episode made it made a lot of people aware of our thought processes and our situations. But then it did also, you know, showed us that there's so many more people that are willing to listen. Yeah. And willing to help. Yeah. That we hadn't realized we hadn't it hadn't even crossed our minds that there were so many people that were happy to help and work things through mad overwhelming mm. overwhelming and i you know i'm I'm not even ashamed to say there's over the last you know six seven months day i've spent countless count countless days at home you know just crying i've cried so much recently uh, alone, like I, my dog is turned into sort of therapy dog now. Like he's got in the habit now. Like if 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 I get upset, he knows and he comes and gives me a cut. So, I mean, he's been awesome. But I cried sad tears and I cried happy tears because I cried sad tears that like I felt like my world was sort of 
crumbling to pieces and there was no way to form form it again. Maybe that was me just catastrophizing the situation more than I should have. Um, but also then, like, I've cried tears where, you know, I'm overwhelmed with, like, the support I've had from friends and family members for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it... And I'm not ashamed to say that because prior to, you know, that, that scenario, I can't remember the last time I would have cried. Yeah. I can't I think, remember. No, and I think that's a, a really common thing. You know, the, uh, the for a lot of blokes, they don't they don't really cry generally. Um, I don't I, think, I don't know still. No, I, th- I think when I became when I became a dad, that that flicked a switch where you know be, before <laughs> I, I, I couldn't I, stop crying. Right? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've said this I've said this before where the you know before I became a dad, you'd watch a movie and you'd be like, oh, that's a sad bit. And you know you'd you'd go oh that's really that's really nice, but then now, you know, you you could be watching a, a, an emotional advert and you'd be like, yeah, that, oh god, that's really sad to affect me, and and the emotional change once once I became a dad was that massive trigger where, you know, I've got no I've got no issues crying in front of people I've got no issues crying like. You know, in sort of silly scenarios, rather than it just being like, "Oh, this is a very, very sad moment. It's okay to cry." You know, there's other times, but I think for a lot of people, they still have that thing of just maybe not having that emotional release where they kind of you know feel okay to cry, and it's not a thing of like holding back tears. Yeah, it's just it just doesn't register in their in their head yeah it was never a conscious thing that i ever thought about prior to that um just just what it was and i can't connect with um you know the emotional um what what we don't call it the emotional adaptation to your life since you had children yeah um because i haven't got any but for the dog people out there (laughs) when i watch a dog something bad happened to a dog in a movie Oh yeah, I can I'm, in, I'm in bits. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think there's that um, that real sort of close connection you can have, isn't it? And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that growth and that change that can happen, where you know, it's amazing how f- when when you do actually go, oh yeah, when you've had a cry and or you you get emotional and you start to tear up and stuff, it's funny how you you feel afterwards as well. I find it's like it can be both you know, a good release and you feel like, oh, I feel much better or it can just be like, cool, that's just another thing that happened and mm. you roll on with it and yeah. everything, so. Yeah. I think, I think when I, when I was going, going through it um, recently, I think when, depending on the type of cry, <coughs> the reason behind it, um, the emotions that were brought on for it, like some of them were exhausting. Mm. Um, the moments were exhausting. Some, some moments were, very hard and difficult to comprehend um and others were were a welcome release they were it was like a reset yeah. it was almost like they're almost like a cleansing do you know what i mean like an emotional cleanse yeah sometimes um like I said some of them were happy ones 
So some of them were just just out of pure joy. I mean, you think like like I like I I'd, I'd sat in a therapy session. One of them I'd spent pretty much crying the whole way through, and it wasn't because I was upset. It was because I was grateful. Yeah. I barely got a word out. I mean, it was it's most ridiculous I've ever had, but it actually left there feeling with one of the most uplifting feelings. Mm. Weird. No, but, I, can, I mean, I yeah. think that uh, there's a misconception that tears are only for sadness, and they're not. Oh man, they're, they're not. not. I mean, how many how many men don't don't want to connect with their emotions like that? Yeah, they just sort of they try to dampen everything down. Yeah. But then doing that can also mean that you're dampening down the good side of things as well. Absolutely. And it just be kind of it kind of be a much more beige monotone hmm. uh, situation yeah. where you don't get really excited about certain things, but it means then you try to avoid being really upset by certain things. You just kind of plateau and flatten out everything. That's that's literally me. Well, it was me. Yeah, it was. It was me. I swear to God, you like I you just said that, and instantly I was like, "It's exactly what I used to." Never got like, overly excited myself, but never got too upset about things. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't intentionally go out to connect my emotions, but out my way to connect my emotions, but I was sort of forced into it mm. um, through some trauma and some suffering I was going through. I think with therapy, then sort of stripping me back and then rebuilding the layers. I think what I found was I was allowing myself to talk openly and then feel whatever I felt within yeah. those scenarios as well. So, I mean, yeah, personally, I think finding finding that sort of growth in the emotional side of things um, has been drastically important to helping me settle my mind mentally, yeah. you know. And never in my life did I ever think that I'd, have, that I'd have issues with my mental health. I mean... I felt like I put myself in a position with certain coping mechanisms where I was strong enough to deal with almost anything. Like, I would never concern myself with external factors. I mean, one of my things was always, you know, um, other people's opinion of me is none of my business. Yeah. Never concerned me. Like, I could deal with that. Never really cared too much about other people, apart from, you know, certain people in my life where they were important. Everybody else was, everybody else's opinion was really relevant to me. Um... What it done is it allowed me to be cold. Yeah. It didn't put me in a good position to be able to... I didn't pick and choose how it worked. I was just... It was like, oh, that's an excuse for me to be less emotional for whatever reason. Yeah. It just meant that you could have that barrier and just keep everything nice and settled. Yeah. That's pretty much what it was, you know? Well, I, I, think, I think that, that it's a, a similar situation to me where you kind of just have that thing of you don't get massively excited but you don't get really upset you kind of just and and you don't realize it as well you kind of just i think because you've never really if you don't experience certain things as well if you don't experience things that would push you to be at those real highs or real lows yeah um sometimes you just don't realize that you are being kind of flat with things hmm. you can which is why i think you know becoming a dad is the thing it was that was such a massive high yeah that it allowed me to be like okay i can be emotional and sad and i can be emotional and happy yeah. and like you know overjoyed and things like that um so on the flip side you know there's there's times where you know you have the 
the the thoughts in your brain where you're like, you know, there's there's something that'll trigger you, and you'll start to, you know, be, you'll start to worry about certain things, and then that worry will then spiral into overthinking, like uh, almost like not panic, but you start to overthink the negative side of things. What would happen if this, ha- you know, if if this doesn't go right, then it's going to impact on the next thing. It's going to impact on the th- yeah. These further things down the line, and, and then, then we're catastrophizing again. It goes back into exactly that. Exactly, the catastrophizing a single thought because it it starts to spiral out of control. Yeah, and then you have those those um those thoughts where oh you you know why did why did you let this happen? Why did you not think about this prior to it? And you start to you you just sort of get on top of yourself, and then they, you know then sometimes I mean for myself. If those start to happen, then eventually it'll just be a case of like, right, take a deep breath. I've got to get out of this mindset. I've got to try and, you know, go, I don't know, listen to some music, go play with my kids, go Find do, do something to, to to kind of get away from that yeah. spiraling, uh, catastrophizing, as you said. And on, I think, on the topic of catastrophizing, I think might be a good opportunity to give a listeners with an MOT. Yeah, MOT. The moment of truth. Yes. I think that's a good thing to do now. You think so? I think we lead into that. Yeah. I think it'd be a, a good a good point to uh to jump to it. Sweet man. So um <coughs> what have we got for us this week? Well, my moment of truth, uh since the last episode, um and we've been picking up on moments of truth and it's something that has been kind of here, there, and everywhere. I've started to see different things that have been really inspirational and really profound. Um, but the one for me this week, uh, th- this month, is you never recognise your progress because you're always raising the bar for yourself. Yeah. And uh, it it resonated with me so much because so much has happened in my life up to this point. You know. Uh, having uni, then becoming a dad, then getting married, then having a, again a house, then having another child, all in the space of like six years, and then all of a sudden you're kind of going, oh wow, you know, what you know, what am I doing now? What's going on? And then all of a sudden you have to kind of take a step back and realise that you know, in the space of a very short span of time a lot has a, a lot of milestones have been achieved that you don't realize you know oh wow i've i've done so much in a short space of time yet you know you think that oh i'm only 30 i've still got loads of i've got to do but in reality i've done so much and you kind of have to sit back and go oh yeah i have i've done quite a bit but you don't realize it when you're in the moment you kind of just thinking Right onto the next thing, onto the next thing, and then sometimes it's good to stand back and take a and, and take a good view of everything you've achieved. Um, you know, in, in my case, it's becoming a dad twice. That's the main bit, and becoming uh, a husband. But, but you know, those those three things in and amongst you know a lot of other unbelievable like milestones that you've achieved. Um, I think the important thing in on the end of that quote, which I love, by the way, um, is that you need to find time to reflect. Yeah. 
I feel like maybe with what you said in episode one where you, where you spoke about like um, <clears throat> your meditation, I think that's almost an opportunity there where you could sit and reflect. Yes. I know you tend to clear your mind or whatever your process is, but I think you could have meditations where you clear your mind and let your body relax and you can have moments then where you can sit and reflect and give yourself credit and praise yourself for oh, yeah. for doing what... Um, for doing what you've done up until this point, which is incredible. Um, it's, it's shaped you into the man you are. Oh, 100%. You know, um, and that's a great man as well. So I think I think that's a really good good quote for you to, to drop out for everybody today. And I think <clears throat> allowing people or letting people know that, think about how far you've come, give yourself a moment to reflect is super important as well. Yeah. I, I reflect a lot. That's, why, that's one thing I've been doing a lot recently is reflecting. Um, but I, 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 I had to as a part of me now, like sort of developing um, and going on my journey uh, with my mental health and with therapy and stuff. I've kind of had to reflect, yeah, because um, it forced you to. But I mean, it's something that I genuinely just do now. Yeah, you can, you can kind of get caught up in the day to day and the, yeah. the real sort of hustle and bustle of day to day life. Yeah, and you know, it's always beneficial to look back and go. And even even if you're just recounting the smaller things that you've achieved, you know it doesn't have to be massive life goals that you've yeah. accomplished. It could literally just be give yourself credit, man. Oh wow, I've managed to save x mm. amount, you know, x amount of pounds over the yeah. last year. You know, something minor like that. But it's always good to take stock of everything that you've achieved up to that point, because um, as the quote said, you're always trying to raise the bar. You're always trying to push yourself onto the next thing yeah. and to the next thing and sometimes it's good to see where you've come from and what you've achieved up to that point it's, it's important yeah yeah really important so, yeah. I um, that's actually really cool because um, you spoke you spoke about their, um, the day to day I'm not getting sort of dragged down into um, just everyday life and this monotony well what I've got for people today is it's not so much a quote, um, it's not so much um, motivation, it's more of a thinking point. Mm. And um, it goes back to what you said, basically. So what I've got is, um, when's the last time you've done something for the first time? Ooh. Last time, done something for the first time. You know, and you haven't got to answer it, but think about it. Because a lot of people can't remember the last time they've done something for the first time because the life you know this repetitiveness of waking up going to work or doing this or doing that sorting the kids sorting your life cooking food going to bed waking up repeat 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 when's the last time you've done something exciting when's the last time you've done something for the first time not a, pe- not a lot of people will, will, will have an answer for it some some will some do things for the first time all the time Yeah. some keep themselves excited and some keep themselves happy and you know we as humans I think we're we, I think we do tend to fall into like this robotic way of life where it's, we like a routine. Yeah. But I think your body craves being pulled out of it once in a while. And then, right, that was good. Back in routine. Let's start again. Let's refresh ourselves. But when's the last time we've done something for the first time? Oh. And I just want people to think about it more than anything. And then if it's been a while, think of something and go and do it. Yeah. That's a really good. Uh, I think that's a really good place to uh, to end it on. Yeah, I think so. 
When's the last time you've done something for the first time? Yeah. Have a think about it. It's been a while, have a think. No final announcements today, brother? No final announcements today. Uh, just want to say thanks, everyone, for your feedback for last month's episode. And, you know, hope you enjoyed this one. Absolutely. I um I second that fully. Um I wanna personally thank everybody that's everybody that's reached out to me um about their personal struggles and everyone that's had a conversation with me about what's going on with them previously and how this podcast may or may not be helping them and just the feedback has been wicked and overwhelming and um I I I, I can't stress enough about how how emotional this made me. Mm. Um, and I appreciate every single one of you that has messaged me about it um, and about this podcast and giving us feedback and constructive criticism and all the best of it. It, it all gets taken into account. It all gets, like, really thought about. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, I love each and every one of you. Yeah, same. Thank you. Take Thanks, it easy. Brother. Peace, you too. Take it easy. Bye. Bye.